Welcome back to The Mama Struggle. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, today we have a really special episode because I have the chance and the honor and the privilege of interviewing somebody very special. My... I know. I get to interview my mom. So, um, welcome, mom. I thank you, daughter. Um, so happy to have you here. Um, we're just going to kind of go through and I'm going to interview you and ask you some questions just about your motherhood journey um, in the same way that, you know, I would interview other guests on the podcast. So, um, I side note, everybody, um, I kind of just like put my mom on the spot. Like, so there, she's had no prepping or anything. She didn't really know we were going to be doing this today. So I just kind of like, was like, all right, I'm going to interview you. Let's go. Um, so, you know, anything could happen. (laughs) Also, um, uh, per usual, I am here with my two little ones. So if you hear, you know, like some screaming or noise in the background, they're watching Netflix and my uh, 10-month-old is walking around with her walker. So, you know, you'll probably hear from her as well. Um, All right, let's get started. So my first question is, what does motherhood mean to you? I believe motherhood is a state of an individual who is caring for a a child and it doesn't matter the age of the child, it's just that that person you care about and you want to do the very best for them. Um, Sometimes they live with you, sometimes they don't. But it is a state of caring and it's a deeper caring than a school teacher with her student. It goes deeper than the doctor and the patient. Is you are totally linked to that individual, and you see them as your child, no matter no matter the age, and you care about them deeply from inside your heart, as opposed to just having the name mother. Okay, thank you. Um, as a former teacher, I do have to do a little plug because there are plenty of teachers who actually do mother their students or find themselves in a very mothering kind of role with their students. I know that happened with me. Um, Lots of times I found myself doing things that, you know, moms do like brushing up the edges and like rebraiding the cornrows and like all that stuff. Um, You know, I, I did that. And that, that was not something that like, teachers are normally expected to do, but like that, it happened. It definitely happens. So, um, but yeah, thank you. Definitely. That. So the mother nature is in the teacher too. Yes. Yes. It can be. <laughs> it and, can it, be. and and not, not just like, it doesn't matter whether that teacher is like male or female because like you can operate, you can still be mothering towards someone. Like it doesn't really matter. Their gender doesn't matter. Like that's how I, I view it. But I'd like to ask you to tell us about the moments when you found out you were pregnant. So let's talk about like with me the first time. When you found out you were pregnant, like 
Tell us about that moment. Were you shocked, surprised? What was that moment like? What happened? Tell us. Wow, you're telling my age and yours. <laughs> yeah, I'm 37, so. <laughs> um, the moment that, first of all, I didn't really know that I was pregnant. Uh, I mean, I, I should have, you know, there was all the telltale signs, but I didn't re even Like before, what? What were some of the... Even before, um, you know, I was eating everything, but I, I mean, there, I was still... I hadn't stopped having my period or nothing, so I felt I'm fine. Then my husband is the one who said first that you're pregnant. And, and I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not. And lo and behold, we go to the doctor. So, well, and he, I am. But what were, what were some of your symptoms like before, like leading up to I didn't that knowledge? Have, I did not have morning sickness. Um, I used to walk. Um, a couple blocks to go to to go to work. You know, I had no, you know, shortness of breath or no even gaining any weight. And the only thing that I can think of that changed was the fact that I wanted a hot dog from the store next door. And I literally, every lunchtime, I went. I craved these hot dogs. But so you had like food cravings. That was it. That was the only. But the food wasn't. It was just the hot dogs. So yeah, cravings yeah. for hot dogs. Cravings for hot dogs. That's gross. And I hate hot dogs, by the way, and that's why. <laughs> that's why, because I ate too many when you were in there tucked away. No, um, that was the only thing that was changed for me. That was could have been an indication, but I didn't even recognize. It. I just thought good hot dogs and you know I tell everybody oh get me a hot dog when you go um what so was your I hot really, dog I order sick I didn't have what was your hot dog order do you remember oh well, sure it was a hot dog with everything on it except onions like everything like what wait mustard, a minute okay ketchup and relish Okay, no not ones. like sauerkraut or like no, no, not cheese one of those. or no, just, okay. Just <laughs> okay, I was like, I'm imagining like this hot dog with like all this stuff Ooh, on this it. Stuff I'm just like, on it. that's no, gross, the, mom. The average stuff: mustard, ketchup, and relish, but no onions. Okay. Yeah. And like I said, I felt fine. I didn't have any nausea or, or anything. What I was really, really fortunate, I guess. Okay, what about the second time around? What were you, when you found out you were pregnant, like with with Marla? Marla is my younger sister. Um, how how um, was that? Well, or like what, when you found out, did you know? No. So you I, didn't know again? I didn't know again. No. So like what? What? Okay. Um, when in fact the morning one morning I fell down steps. You fell on the step. Wait a minute. I didn't know this. What? Yeah, I, I slipped and went, fell down five steps at our house in Newcastle. Oh, I feel like I do remember that vaguely. Yeah. And I didn't hurt myself, but I, I went to the doctor. But my husband again says, you know, I think you're pregnant. And I said, I don't think so. But he made me go to the doctor because I did fall. And I didn't, not, I didn't bruise myself or anything, but he just made me go to the doctor, and that's when they found out that. So I you was found pregnant. out at the doctor. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because they ask you when's the date of your last period, yeah, and then they, they're yeah. like, "Are you pregnant?" And you're like, yeah. "No," and they're like, "Ha ha, surprise!" <laughs> <laughs> what is my birth story? Can you tell us 
the story of my birth from start to oh, when I came out. When you came out. Um, you mean from the start where the water breaks? And... Like start from you're at home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, it, the, you had the most exciting of, of all the births. Um, my husband and I always went away on Labor Day, and I couldn't go because I was pregnant, so we had to stay home. But I felt good. This is what is so amazing. I always felt good. I, I, I didn't have any of those days, sick days or uncomfortable days. So I'm in the bedroom, and I'm jumping on the bed. I'm big as a house, and I'm jumping on the bed. Oh, this feels great. This feels great. And I jumped up and I sat down on my bottom and didn't splash. They're, they're all, uh, my water broke. And unfortunately for me, um, I couldn't have that happen because I had a condition called placenta previa. And what is that? That's where the placenta covers the opening of where the baby should come. And you have to have a C-section with that. Otherwise, the baby will just die inside of you because he can't break the, the placenta itself. So I was already scheduled to have a, a C-section. So I just knew that, okay, I'll wait for the C-section. But what happened is I was bouncing on the bed and the water broke. Did not, the placenta did not prevent the water from not coming out. It was gushing everywhere, and I ran into the bathroom and, and got in the tub and just let all this water and, and blood come out. And my husband said, so, you can't stay there. Blood, like, so, like, what do you mean blood? Um, I imagine it was, you know, um, I mean, that's what it was. It was blood. I don't but, know like, why, why was, like, was it a bloody show or, like, no, what was no. it? No, we're streaming, we're streaming blood. And oh, water. so and that is why I had like to be, so you were hemorrhaging. Yes. Okay. And I had to get to the hospital as quickly as possible. My husband called the doctor. She said meet her there, and um, of course my husband drove to the hospital like he was an ambulance driver. So I'm sitting there scared to death every time we get to an intersection because he wasn't stopping. But we got to the hospital and he went in and told the people you know and they came out and got me I, by this time there's a puddle in the car of like up where i'm hemorrhaging and oh and, and, and like a, a, and so like a puddle of blood yes that's what it was oh. so they took me in and um they immediately my doctor was there waiting and they immediately took me into surgery for the uh, c-section okay i didn't get a chance to see you because they had to put me completely asleep. Oh, okay. Because yeah. it was like an emergency. It was an emergency, and it was more, it was surgical, and it wasn't like they could even give me a, um, you know, the, the, what's that one in the back? Like a spinal tap? Yeah. Or, they couldn't yeah. give, I was, I was actually in surgery, okay. and it was when it was life or death, so um, I was asleep, and I was, like I never had a chance to hold you when you were born. I was it was a couple hours before I could hold you. But it was it was a hair standing up. Hair raising? Very hair raising. But um, you know, it, it was successful and here you are.
you know, today Yay. at 37. It's still here. Tell us what you know about your birth story. Like, how did you get here and what were the circumstances of your birth? Well, I can only tell you what my mother said. And um, I was supposed to be born in April. And I started, she had a regular birth, but I was, I was pre, I was, um, I came, I came in February, so I was, uh, that's major. That's like a major, I mean, she didn't have any, uh, C-sections or anything, but yeah, I was that's premature. Not, that's not a regular birth. Like <laughs> I was, I was premature. I was what, obviously two months early. So they left. I mean, I had to stay in the hospital, like back in those days. That's you know. In the NICU. Yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't called that. Then, oh, but, okay. Yeah, but I did stay out in in the hospital because I was a preemie, and uh, my mom was fine. Apparently, birth was fine. I had no problems. Just that I came early. So um, she didn't. She didn't have like, tra like trauma or anything. It's just you just came early. I, I don't know. You know, back in those days, they didn't talk to you about that. You think she probably had, like, gestational diabetes or something that caused you to come early? She could have. She could have. She I don't know. She, she probably could have because um, she had type 2 diabetes, not... So, she you know, she would have... It could have been an onset of the diabetes. But I don't know. I don't know. And she was older... Um, when I was born, meaning like she was How like was 33. She? Well, that's not that old. I was 33. Yeah, but that back in those days, it was different. Other than that, that I was a preemie, and um, I had to stay in the hospital for uh, two months. I had, um, I guess preemies always have to wait for that lung to mature a little bit, and that's what I had to do. Um, but I was born on the 23rd of February, I won't tell you the year, and um, I did come home in April. I was supposed to be born in April. And wow. Yeah, so that's a, that was a big thing back then. Yeah. So did she talk about what it was like to leave you in the hospital all by yourself? She, no, she never did. She oh, never did. She never talked to you about no. that? No. I imagine I was her first, and... Um, I imagine it was probably difficult. Uh, any mother who has a baby and has to leave it there because there's something physically wrong with that child, I I can't imagine that you you it, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, in some other interviews that I've done, I've definitely um, spoken to mothers who've had to leave their babies in the NICU, and it's. I, I can imagine that it would be extremely, extremely hard. Um, do you think that your mother's birth story shaped some of your thinking around giving birth? And if so, how? Well, my mother didn't go into any great detail about my birth. So I didn't, I don't really have anything to, to judge by. She never expressed to me her emotions or how she felt. And so I, all I know is that, you know, I was a preemie. So, but I, how she felt about it and her emotions during that time, 
I don't know. She never, never did tell me about that. I knew I was going to have a section for you. That was um, a no-brainer. They said, you know, the placenta previa requires a C-section. So I was prepared, um, prepared, meaning that, you know, they would set the date and I would go in and have mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't prepared for, you know, being rushed to the hospital and, um, you, you know, bleeding, you know, and you you know, trying to push out. And, and I wasn't prepared for all that. It, it um, yes, that affected me. Um, okay, like the emergency, the emergency part, part of it. it. Yes. Okay, yeah. Tell us about your breastfeeding journey. Oh, it what was, was that like? It was awful. You you were there. Uh, you know, at first of all, I had a roommate who. I mean, this girl. They had to put buckets on her nipples to catch the catch the milk. That's how much she was flowing, and I couldn't get one <laughs> drop to come out. And it was like. You know, you're only in there a certain number of days, and I finally, I was in there. Did anybody help you? Oh, yeah, they had a a lady come in, and she was, oh, she was so ever nice, and she was saying, just be patient, she said, and you will love the experience. It's just very, she's very much with the breastfeeding experience, and she said, I I breastfed my child to him, my son, till he was four. And I'm thinking, four years old? Oh, my God, that's not going to be me. But what happened, finally, it was getting close for me to go home, and no milk would come out. So they so finally, did they, they gave me uh, medicine to dry up the milk. Oh, that's I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry that happened. And I say I'm sorry because, like, um, just thinking about, like, just the the advocacy that goes on that nowadays to like help black women especially like support them in their breastfeeding journeys like i'm sorry that you didn't get that i didn't get that because did did they explain like the colostrum is what comes out first that's the clear stuff right it's like the thick yellow stuff and then and then your milk i don't really remember any of that coming out but it maybe it did oh do they like show you how you were starving because you couldn't get anything. You Did they baby. show you how? No, they told me what. It was not a good experience. Okay, know? they it, just like it wasn't. They didn't provide the support you needed, and you no. just like didn't couldn't make it yeah. work. And I said, no, I'm not going through this. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you just it, gotta say it, it has no. to be. You know, it it just. And I think it was just me too. I just said, you know, she just you weren't really comfortable comfortable I'm not with really that. Really that comfortable. Yeah, I was thinking. Do I really want to do this? Yeah. Because it was different. Now it's acceptable. What do you mean? No. Like now they'll even have offices where you can go pump and, you know, they have, you can go, you you know, breast for your baby and come back from lunch and stuff like that. It's, it's. How was it different back then? Back then it was like, they didn't mention anything about pumping. Now I imagine they did. We were talking about. 37 you know, years ago. Yeah. So, so like, did you, you just, like, felt felt like it just, like, wasn't happening and you weren't going to make it work because people don't do that? Oh, definitely. I just said, I'm not going to do this. Okay. Got yeah. it. I, I actually, you know, when it got to day four and I couldn't get a drop out of, out of my breasts, I said, you know, this is it. That's awful. Poor me. Huh? 
I'm just like, that's awful. I went four days without eating. Days but I was just like crying all the time. No, you didn't cry. You were oh. my sweetest little baby. But no, after four days and they couldn't get it to come out and, you know, you're squeezing and it, it, I just said, no. They were squeezing your boobs? Trying to squeeze the nipple and all. And I just, it got to me. What were you eating? I don't know. All I know is I just didn't want to go through with that. It was all those hot dogs you four ate. Four days. It's probably the hot dogs. But four days was a long time for you to be without. And the girl next to me, she was just flowing, flowing. She could have fed like all the, all the babies in there at the time. <laughs> and I said no. You know, I didn't. I didn't want to continue. So they gave me the medicine to dry, dry up the milk, and then put you on a formula. So. Um, I took you home. Okay. Can you tell us about your mother, my grandmother, Grace? What was she like? And then tell us what it was like growing up in your house um, as a kid. Oh, wow. Um, my mom, um, she was one of those people who early on we were talking about mothers. She was a mom. She, you know, she mothered people. She, you know, she would take care of other little kids and everything. And I was the only child she had, although I was raised with my brother. So what do you, what do you mean? Can you? I was the only child she physically gave birth to. So then, so then what, can you clarify a little bit for the audience? Because I know what you're talking about, but they don't. So okay. explain the situation. Um, my I, like I said, my mom and my dad, I was the only child um, that they that she actually gave birth to. I have a brother who's a year younger than me. He was adopted, but I didn't know that. We, my brother nor I knew that until we were way in our 30s. Okay. 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 But so we were raised as brother and sister. Um, but my mom, she... Um, she loved children, and eventually, at some point in time, um, she became a foster parent, and she has raised like eight or nine kids, foster kids, and she just had the love in her to um, to take care of children and to mother mother other people's kids or whatever. And so we we grew up. It was a bunch of us because it was my brother and I, and then. She uh, opened the home as a foster home when I was 15 years old. So at that point, it was um, like eight kids there that were foster kids. And they were all younger than... Eight kids? Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot, yeah. But we you had guys... a big house. Okay. And, yeah, big house and uh, sat on the hill. We Dinner time, you know, when we, found, when we were a full house, it was 10 because 10 people to feed. Which one she, my dad. She cooked for all those people? She cooked for all those people. All those kids. Every day? The youngest one, youngest one was Mary, and she was she was like four of, of the foster kids. But we helped. Everybody helped. You know, a group over here would peel potatoes, and a group over here would, you know, uh, cut up stuff. Or if I was doing the pancakes, somebody else was making something. It, it was really, we really were able to have that large foster home. And my mother just mothered everybody. She just, she just really, um, that's one who had motherhood inside of her. And even, even 
adults would call her because they felt that she uh, really cared. She had that She was gift. like a safe, a safe space. She was a safe space. And um, she, she was very, very gifted and, and very caring. And then when she lost her sight, everyone was willing to help her. Um, you know, she um, lost her vision. And um, her last 20 years, um, she spent in bed. Um, she lost a limb from diabetes and everything. So, um, but everybody still loved my mother. People, you know, that from outside, Love my mother. Cool. She sounds like a cool lady. She was. I'm glad that I'm related to her. <laughs> You've heard of the saying, it takes a whole village to raise a child, right? Right. So what do you think of that quote? And how did your village support you in your parenting journey? I definitely believe that it takes a whole village. I. I you know, I'm sure people think that they are raising their child on their own, but your child is influenced by other children, by their teachers. They they get out in school and they just learn things from other students. And but it's very important. Um, I really believe that you do have a village that looks out for you, looks out for you at your child. So, what was your village like? Who was your village and well, what, how do they help? We lived in the country, but every neighbor knew. Well, everybody. no, I'm talking about like when you became a parent, like when you became parents. Well, for church, I, I belonged to a church that there were enough people that were, um, who either had children or could answer my questions that um, I may have. Um, they would look out for you or Marla, you know, um, it was more, the church family was my village. So they like babysat and stuff. I didn't let anybody babysit you. That's not true. Uh, we will always be over Sister Joan's house, Miss Ronnie. Didn't, didn't, um, who else babysat? Sister Debbie used to babysit us. Um, who else? Well, we would go over. I, went, I put you in daycare. No, Sister Debbie. Debbie, she used to babysit us. She did. Yeah, we would be right in her apartment on Kirkwood Highway. She Kirk watched us. Yes, she lived. She used to live off oh, Kirkwood Highway. Debbie Smith. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She always she was, was watched like a us. Fill in, a fill in for Miss um, Ronnie. Miss Ronnie, Sister yeah. Joan. We used to always be over there. Yeah, you were Miss, over there when you um, had chicken pox. Okay. Yeah. You 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 and her son had chicken pox the same time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you remember that. That was yeah. not right. fun. Yeah. It was fun actually, because like yeah. we were running around playing hide and seek, but. Anyway, um, but I, as a rule, you were with me all the time, except for when we went away or something and pop pop and Miss Mary would watch you. Yeah, we, we were yeah. not always with you. You guys, it seemed like you guys were going away like every month. I don't know where y'all went, but we were with, I don't know, where, where did you go? I mean, now as a parent, I understand, like, I, I get it, like. I would be going away like once a month too. That's my plan, by the way, for all of you out there. And I don't care if you want to judge me, like, <laughs> I don't care. I have decided that my mom goal, my goal is to get to a place financially where I can afford to go away once a month. I need a, like a massage and spa treatment in a city away from my children and away from my family. And that's, that's my goal. And 
yeah, I'm putting that out there to the universe and I'll put that out there to y'all. <laughs> and you can judge me if you want. I like, I don't care. Anyway. <laughs> but, you know, we didn't, we really, you may think that you were always with we someone. Went, she, Miss Sheila. And yeah, sister, she used to um, watch but us. that was because we were on you know, going to the couples thing, or it was an activity that the right. church had. But that that's still like support. Children. That's, they were supportive. And the, yeah. they always, even now, I talked to Sheila last week and she said, oh, I wish I could see her. You. So was there ever like a challenging situation where you needed like someone to like step in and like do babysitting while you guys had like some kind of crisis that you had to take care of? No. Um, the only one is when I had to go to the hospital. Four years later, I had Marla. Okay. And I had to make arrangements and I for stay you. with Miss Ronnie. And you stayed with Miss Ronnie. Otherwise, the four of us are together, or the two, you two would be together, and we would be away. But never a crisis where I had to um, say, please come get my kid. I, I have to do this or that. No. Okay. It, all of it was volunteer. Even when when you went with Pop Pop, it was all volunteer. I I really am was blessed that I didn't have any crisis. So, what's it like having two adult daughters? I don't know. Sometimes it's a blessing, and sometimes it's like I'm not gonna have anything to do with them. They're gonna, they're gonna do what they wanna do. They don't wanna hear anything from me. So you know, let them go. And then there's. The times when you, you know, you feel like, I wish I could help my daughter, wish I could help my daughter to do this or do that. And then I realize, well, I've, I poured into them all that I know, and now they're adults. I, I can't be the adult for them. I would love to be. I'd love for them to say, all right, mommy thinks we should do this, this, and this, and that they would do it. But that's not... True, because now they're adults. My daughters are adults now. I may not agree with everything that they do, but it's on them because they are the adults now. And they're raising their own children. Kareen, uh, you are. And um, Marla, she's an adult. Okay. That's fair. Was that a difficult, like... Yes, it was. It was, was very difficult even now for me not to say something why don't you do this this and this because when i i worked at the bank what i said was law and you know because i worked there 25 years so people took what i said but i can't do that with you and your sister i can only suggest that's, that's all i can do is suggest okay Sometimes I say you should do this, this, and this, but you guys always manage to get me straightened out. Do you have any advice for parents that are navigating their children reaching adulthood? Uh, again, a lot of times we as adults want our children to do this A, B, C, and D. We should suggest it. I remember distinctly saying I did not want either one of my girls to do sports in high school or college. I just did not want them in sports. 
and lo and behold, my youngest one decided to go out for tennis. And I didn't want her to get hurt. That's why I didn't want either one of them in sports. And she got hit with a tennis racket in her face. What, who does that? And, you know, I, to, I wanted to say I told you so, but I didn't. She enjoyed the sport. So that was high school. And then they both went through college. And all I can say is that hopefully you'll have a relationship with your child that they will talk to you. They will tell you what's going on. And they're just going to tell you. They don't want your advice. They just want you to listen. But what I would suggest is for every parent is to just be available. And you can't judge because, you know, like I would judge how I would do it, but I'm totally different than my daughters. So you just have to listen and, and be available and answer answer the question honestly whatever they're asking you sometimes that's difficult but that's what i would suggest what's it like watching your adult children struggle with debilitating chronic diseases well you got me because both of you have debilitating disease it is not easy I can only answer that as honestly as I can. There are nights that my husband has to be there and I'm literally crying. I'm literally crying because I can't do anything to help my daughters. Yeah, you got good doctors. Yes, you are going for all your tests and everything, but I see my daughters and, um, it is, I'm honestly, truly, I'm going to be honest, it is not easy. It is, it is like, like I said, there are days that I cry myself to sleep because of my concern for my two daughters and their illnesses. So and just, just um, to kind of clarify for everybody who may be tuning in for the first time, um, my sister, my younger sister has epilepsy and I was recently diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that I'm currently working on healing my, healing myself from, which is called dermatomyositis. And it's a, um, a muscle disease that it's, it's a, it's an autoimmune disease that impacts the muscles and skin. And so with autoimmune diseases, your, um, your body, like your body's immune system turns around and, and attacks different parts of your body. So my body um, has been attacking, uh, treating my muscles and my skin like they're foreign actors and attacking them with inflammation. Um, and so it's been, um, you know, it causes like a lot of pain and discomfort and muscle weakness. And so like the first thing that tends to go is like your strength in your arms and then your strength in your legs and hips. So like I, um, I go to physical therapy now to, to help build up my strength in my legs and stuff um, and my arms um, because I, I got to the point where I did not, um, I was not able to walk without assistance um, and I wasn't able um, to like stand up or sit down. You know, I still have problems with that, but like it's getting better. Um, 
And yeah, um, it's been a wild ride and it all started. So it's now January of 2020. Happy New Year. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. It's January 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Um, yeah, so like... You can see where my my, uh, my brain is. Um, thinking about like the worst year the world has ever experienced. That was like what it was like to be diagnosed with this uh, illness. And so, and it, I'm sure it was just as challenging for my sister who was diagnosed like, I don't know, what was it like? In 2013 with epilepsy. Um, and she's been really, um, you know, working to like, advocate for people with epilepsy millennials with epilepsy shout out to her businesses she's got a business and a nonprofit. um her business is called the succulent mind check her out on ig she has beautiful succulents and um and then she has seizure blessings which is her nonprofit and advocacy arm and i help her with that i can't imagine i can't imagine i can't imagine having to watch your kids like go through like really hard diseases like I so my kids are here one of the reasons both my kids are here right now is because my son wasn't feeling well and so every little like sneeze and cough and you know whatever like I'm like okay like he needs surgery like you know I I am kind of dramatic that way, but I have like an, like anxiety around it, a lot of anxiety around it. Um, and I talked about that in previous episodes, like having uh, postpartum anxiety and just like anxiety in general. Um, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to actually to see anyone who's struggling with a serious disease or an incurable disease. Um, but when it's your flesh and blood, when you, you've watched these, this person grow and uh, mature and, and live their life and to see it um, kind of now, you know, the struggle of trying to get better and trying to get well. So, you know, I can only, I'm probably not the best one to give advice because there are times I just break break up and I try to do it in privacy of my own bedroom um, so they know don't have to see me crying but um, I cry for both of them all the time thank you thank you for sharing that I know that that was not easy this that's not an easy topic to discuss side note um, that actually this actually is not the first deadly disease that I've had to battle mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, apparently, when I was six months old, I had um, spinal meningitis. Um, and that was, like, super intense, I'm sure. I don't remember it, but I have the, the dents in my thighs where I got, like, the inoculation. So there's to that it, yeah. to prove that I had it. Um, so there's that. And then I had... I don't think I had any other like deadly, deadly diseases. Like mono is not deadly, but I was like nine when I had mono. It wasn't like, like people call it the kissing disease and I'm sure people get it from kissing, but like at nine, I was not kissing anybody. Um, I don't even know how I got mono. I think they think that I got it from like the water fountain or something, which I think is disgusting. And I actually, after that, never drank from a water fountain again. 
Um, so yeah, I was like a very young germaphobe. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, little, little side note. Tell us about the moment when you first found out you were going to become a grandmother. Oh, wow. I was so excited. So what was, what was that like for you, then finding that out and like going through that process? It was exciting. It was, I just couldn't wait. I didn't care if you had a boy or a girl, actually. I was just going to be a grandma. That's what made, made me excited. And um, I still, you know, I, I, to tell you the truth, I never thought that I would live to be a grandmother. Why did you, why not? Or because why did you think that? I was so, I was older. I'm older. How old are you? I'm not going to give my age over the waves. <laughs> well, you waited a long time to have kids, too. I did. I was considered, you know, up there. I don't, but I think that, I think that's, I know that they say, like, women over 35 is, like, geriatric, or, like, geriatric, which I find, Come here, I don't Mary. know, I find, it's, I find that to be, um, a bit, uh, strange. Needless to say, you were excited, you were excited to become a grandmother. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, and I apologize for that noise in the background. Um, my husband and toddler are, yeah, they're like roughhousing in the playroom. So if you hear that, like that's what that is. Um, and my my baby's still here, so she's like wallin. She always gets super excited when her dad comes in. So yeah. Okay. So then, what what has grandmotherhood been like so far? It's been the only thing I can complain about is that I don't have him with me as much as I'd like to. Well, we during. Six months of 2020, we sheltered in place with you. That's right. And that was, to me, that was the, so exciting. Um, so we're talking about when we sheltered in place with you during 2020. 20, oh, pandemic. Pandemic, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, that was nice to have you there. I, I think all of us were uh, concerned because of that pandemic. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, yeah, but I was, I was saying in response to, because you were like, you wish you had them more, but we stayed, we were like living with you for the, yeah. all of, yeah, most did. of that year. That summer. It was from like March, we, March, March to July. Yeah. So yeah, I guess so, that. Yeah, because he was, yeah, it was till July. Yeah. It was summertime, definitely. But it was great. I mean, it was, um, I'm one of those, uh, you know, come on, my family, you know, like I always would say, I want you to be home at Christmas. The first, this is my first Christmas that neither one of you guys, you weren't home for Christmas and, and Marla went out. And so, because uh, that was my biggest time is to have you kids home for Christmas. So life changes when life goes on. Yeah. Now I live in Baton Rouge, so getting home for Christmas is like probably not, not gonna happen not gonna as happen. often. Um, you know. Probably after the kids get older, we might be able to have them up for the summer, or for a summer, for a month or something. You know. Well, we'll see. <laughs>
So well, we'll come down here for. Yeah, you can come down here for. Not during the summer though. No, I wouldn't recommend that. And yeah, I guess we could find you an Airbnb to stay at for a month. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so as a community elder, what what wisdom? can you offer mothers and parents navigating parenthood through this god-awful pandemic? I, I, I can't offer any suggestions. I'm, I'm barely going through it myself. You know, I'm so conscious of everything. It's, it's um, you know, it's, it's a struggle. Yeah, I mean, it's a struggle even when there's not a pandemic, yeah. trying to it's, parent. It's, a, it's definitely a struggle now. I can't imagine school-age children and, and what they have to deal with and the teachers and, and all the frontliners. It's, it's, to me, it's very, very, um, very upsetting. And I, I can't offer any advice because I'm trying to get through it myself and I haven't found the magic to get through it. And my last question is, how do you make space for balance in your life? How do you make space for balance in your life? Or do you? And if not, why not? Um, what do you mean? Um, with my marriage, my kids, or just, just me? Well, okay, well what is, let me back up for a second. What does the word balance mean to you in life? Well, um, as younger times, it was balancing children, marriage, and work. What does it look now, like now? Now, it's, um, I feel like I have a little more freedom now because I don't have to balance um, my children. They're grown. I don't, I'm retired, so I don't have to balance my job. So it, it is a lot better now. I do things I like to do. Even even when I if I want a part time job, I had a part time job for five years and I wanted it. I didn't have to. I just wanted it and it was with children. I you know, I loved it. Um, I think I balance myself now, I do things that I really like. So what about now? What are some of your favorite oh, things to stay things balanced in life? I like to um, I like to read. I like to um, go to various thrift stores and various little shops and things. Not that I buy anything, but I like to. That's something I do to balance out. Um, I spend my husband and I spend time riding up to Lancaster, or even we went to look, see the trees and everything. We just we do the things that we couldn't do when we were working when we, you know, when the children were small. And um, we've, we've gone on a couple trips and, and we hope to continue that as soon as this pandemic goes away. Um. Um, side note, like I got my love for thrifting and thrift stores from this lady. My dad likes thrift stores too. Like we all like thrift stores. Um, so yeah, I ha and like since the pandemic, like since 2020, I haven't been able to go to the thrift store. Just like I haven't even been able to get there. Thanks, mom. You are welcome, Kareem. Um, 
I had a great time interviewing you, and I hope to do more things like this. Okay. Um, I guess it'll be all right. We can revisit in another year and see how I think. All right. Things. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Bye.